and hello everybody, welcome back to another edition of Board Chitless. Welcome to all our new listeners, and welcome back to any diehard chitheads that keep tuning back in. Well done to you guys. This week we've been playing Zombicide Black Plague, and followed it up with Eldritch Horror, a bit of a time-hopping mishmash of uh, different fictions and scenarios coming up. I'm Lecky, and this week I'm joined by... Tristan. Dave. Sam. And Jackie. That's right. This week we're joined by a new face at the table, Jackie Brown, the miniature painter extraordinaire. Oh, well, (laughs) extraordinaire. (laughs) Pretty good. Games. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Ruined it. So the first game that we played this evening was Zombicide Black Plague, where we got an absolute tanning. Dave, could you just explain to people what the hell Zombicide Black Plague is? Zombicide Black Plague is a, a, a sequel of, of sorts to Zombicide. They improved a lot on it, but it's it's basically the same. It's for, Is it one to six players still? It's, with the expansion, it's like one to a million. Oh, mm. there's, there's so many heroes. I think you can scale it up to about 12 players or something. Really? Wow. What's the base game? Is that one to four? The base game is one to six, and with Wolfsburg, you can take it up to 12, I think. Mm. What is that? Twelve characters on the map at once. Yeah, but like you could have a character each, so you could have twelve players mm. technically. But it would be <laughs> downtime on a level that nobody has ever seen before. That's a pretty common thing, though, isn't it? I've seen a couple of let's play videos where there's a couple, like four players, all manning two or three different stations. I think that's generally how zombie side is played i've never seen anyone get 12 people around a table so what are the actual mechanics of the game what sort of a game is it you're trying to complete whatever objective you're doing while working out how far away the zombies are how much time you've got to do what you've got to do without them reaching you you're leveling up at the same time so as you're getting better you're escalating the situation so it starts off relatively tame um, and as you're killing more and more zombies more and more zombies come and you're killing more and more zombies because your power levels are increasing. It's quite a good dynamic, really. Like a tactical dungeon crawler type puzzle maker. Yeah, you're kicking in doors and more zombies are coming out of the buildings. They're coming in off the map. Necromancers are bringing them on. It just ends up with zombies everywhere. You can't kill them as fast as they come in. There's a couple of mechanics as well that stop you from just trying to mow them down with like crossbows and bows from like from range. So you can't really shoot into a square where any of your allies are. So any of the players are kind of hiding out there with the zombies. If you miss, then you hit them first. So you really have to think about where you're going to swing your sword or where you're going to launch those arrows before you actually do it. Well, it has improved on that from the original, the, the sort of modern zombie side. Um, I don't know if they changed it in any of the, of the, the seasons two or three because I only played the first season of Zombicide. That was the case in that you could not shoot into a space with survivors in it without hitting the survivors first. It was automatic. In Black Plague, there's a chance to hit them, so it's kind of a it's a choice. It's a risk-reward sort of situation, which is great. So what's everyone's impressions of Zombicide then? I think it's quite a decent little game, to be honest. It plays quite nicely. Well, obviously, the main difference between the original Zombicide and Black Plague, which I don't think has been mentioned yet, is... The fantasy aspect of it, whereas Zombie Side was like Walking Dead, you know, guns, people, people have different stats, things like that. Whereas Black Plague is ogres, mages, you know, assassins, rogues, and it like brings on a different dynamic that way than it does just having a sniper rifle. Yeah, there's more skills to be had, uh, people definitely like strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Crom is his name. Um, Clom. Clom, that was it. Like a big 
tank type guy. He likes to go in and just, it, the more zombies there are there, the more powerful he is and the quicker he can dispatch them. Whereas you didn't have really have stuff like that in the original zombie side. You just had characters who had guns, basically, or, you know, weapons of that sort. What did you have in the original zombie side? Because I've not played it. I came in at Black Plague and there seems to be like, especially once you've got all the expansions and stuff mixed in, there's a huge gamut of different skills that all the different characters can have. So, and, and they are wildly varying in terms of the power. So you can have one character will get like one extra move action and another character like Clom, like one of those sort of expansion characters who are insanely overpowered where you can you can kill abominations right from the outset without even having to level up. Or like in Clom's case, he gets like one dice for every zombie in his space. So his ability is to run right into the middle of 20 zombies and take them all out with a couple of actions. Yeah. So what was it in the original zombie side? Did he have those sort of kinds of crazy OP sort of skills or... Um, well, the way that the that Cool Mini or not ran the well, sort of distributed the game, I only had the retail cop like version of Zombie Side Season One, so there was only six characters in there, and no, they're not wildly different. I don't know what the the base characters are like in Black Plague, like to differentiate them. I know Clom's are an expansion. Yeah, the the basic characters in Black Plague, I think again it's six, and they are all low key in their special abilities are, are like plus one move and things like that, but. It is the expansion and Kickstarter extra characters that are cray-cray. Yeah, which is part of the reason that I didn't back seasons one or two of, of Zombicide. I did cave in and get the retail version uh, eventually, but I, I, I traded it pretty quick because although I do like Black Plague, I didn't agree. I don't just I just didn't get on with modern sort of Zombicide. It just didn't feel like enough in the retail box. Um, I am a bit of a completionist, and that probably sort of went some way to sort of marring my opinion of it, but mechanically they've just sort of advanced a little bit in Black Plague, like the the shooting thing that we talked about, there's, there's a couple of other things, and the fantasy aspect does help, like it does seem to suit that a little bit more, because you can go a little bit more crazy with, with all the abilities and the sort of zombies, although they haven't, they, I mean, I know they've done a few, but they still haven't, there's not loads of different enemies, is there? There's still like Walker, Runner, Fatty, yeah, abomination, right? Yeah, and most of the um, the extra enemies that they seem to have brought in with expansions are just variants of necromancers and abominations. So, um, like the game that we played tonight had quite a lot of abominations and necromancers moved into it. And at one point, I think we had all of them out on the map at once, which um, brought the game swiftly to a close. So, I think there might be a balance issue with that. It'd be nice to see some sort of like infantry enemy monsters coming into it you know a few sorts of variations on what like the crows do and like runners see if they can maybe get climbers or something you know things that can go through walls and kind of get at you when you think you're safe just to kind of mix it up i think a little bit it does seem it probably a bit too much of a harsh criticism really but the expansion material seems like a bit more of a cash grab like oh this one's based on a like dcip or this one seems to be a bit like you know a cool anime that you used to watch as opposed to anything actually that original Oh, it was totally, totally like a cash grab. Like it, th- That's what put me off um, kickstarting it because I was originally all in and they just kept on releasing you know, new things and new things and new things and I just thought, just getting out of hand and, and I'm guilty of doing of just staying all in with other games. But Zombicide, it just, I don't know, it just rubbed me up the wrong way. Would you go as far as to say it was an, almost an anti-hype thing, like just referencing back to the previous conversations we've had? about how they kept adding more stuff on with the stretch goals and the more plastic thrown in and it just sort of put you off a little bit. At, at first. Is, is this Zombicide or Zombicide this Black is, Plague? This is Zombicide. Yeah. Just to make that clear, this is the, the original Zombicide and it's only season one. 
Um, although I did, I did sort of go in and then come out again on season two because they were doing the same thing. But at first, it was cool. It was like, yeah, so this is it just reference it, like it was just references everywhere. You know, you, you, and then I know this one's got it as well with like it's like an Ash reference. Yeah, it's a lot of Troy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's mainly Easter eggs, isn't it? Which is yeah. nice if you pick up like I know Tristan's been picking up a couple of packs because he likes what they're based on. But if you like, you're saying trying to complete a full set, then you're just going to be there forever, really. It's almost like you know, an L, you know, a CCG but with miniatures. But I think part of the reason Tristan's still picking up the packs is because it's a great game for your son. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of of all the sort of um, quick games that we've been talking about over the last few episodes, like Forbidden Island and Thunderbirds and things like that, for me, this is the sort of perfect middle ground between. The complex games that we tend to play on a weekly basis and the family-friendly games because the mechanics are quite simple. So people you know, quite happy to play it and deal with, oh, my character can do three things, which is the fundamental um, game mechanic is you get three actions a turn. But for me, the theme of it and running around slaying zombies, leveling up and getting all those extra treasures and the different types of zombies and abominations and necromancers and stuff is addictive and um, and we've played it tons we've got so much this is specifically zombies had black plague but we've had so much play time it's seen so much table table time since we got it i think it's that perfect ground between a thematic game that i can enjoy and that my seven-year-old can play and he he picks it up and he reminds me what skills the characters have as well which is you know how how much he's bought into it and the theme and the sort of narrative and, and the mechanics and everything just gels perfectly in in that respect and i think it's uh it's a level above all of those uh cooperative semi-thematic games that we've been playing recently um yeah i absolutely love it and i didn't kickstart to back it i bought the pack at retail and the wolfsburg expansion and have spent weeks and lots of money since trying to pick up all the extra expansions and uh abominations and necromancers and things to try and like pad out like the the variation and um, yeah, I, I'm really, really excited about the Green Horde Kickstarter. Is it Green Horde? This is the orcs and stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I it, think it's Green Horde. Yeah, it's cool. yeah, it's going to be weird because I think that it's orcs and goblins and stuff, but they're specifically orc, like undead orcs yeah. and goblins. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to work or whether or not, like Lecky says, it'll just be a cash grab with different sculpts and stuff. But I'm genuinely really excited about different tiles, different heroes, enemy variety, which I think is key for um, the replayability of the games and the missions. I mean, the missions are quite, I don't want to say unimaginative, but it is always um, collect. Rinse, rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. It's collect the objectives and get to the exit usually. And um, the only way you can sort of manage the escalation of the baddies is to stay low level for as long as possible, open all the doors and then start leveling up. But actually the game sort of quite cleverly manages that because it throws so many zombies at you, you don't really have a choice. You have to level up to deal with them. So I do think it's ingenious, but um, regards to what Lecky was saying about the the mix and uh, the all the abominations coming out and everything, that's purely because we had to manage it ourselves, like what we included in the game, uh, because there's no guidelines given by the makers. You just have to choose what expansions you want to throw in and if you just shuffle it all in it goes chaotic so we sort of found our own little groove taken out a bunch of cards and tried to keep the mix of abominations and baddies sort of level uh, but it's really hard to judge because you're almost play testing every scenario when you play it with whatever expansions you're using at that time 
which I'm not always keen on because I'd rather the makers do that for you and then say, shuffle in X number of necromancers and whatnot. Whereas we've had to find our own groove and sometimes it works really well and sometimes it doesn't and sometimes it's a crapshoot, but it's still an enjoyable experience, I think. So it's a bit, a bit like sandbox game then. Hugely, yeah. yeah. Do you which... find it difficult as well though with the mechanic of levelling up that, you know, like you said, the more zombies come, the more you have to kill, the faster you level up. But then if a character falls behind because they are on the other side of the map, maybe doing another objective where there were no zombies appearing for whatever reason, that then they have to play catch up with the rest of the group, meaning there's more zombies coming and they may be overwhelmed because they don't have the skills that they need. I think that's a huge issue. And and one of the things, and in fact, most of the scenarios... I can't remember if it's like a, an unofficial sort of retro fix now, but most of the scenarios, you have to get all the characters out. So in some of them, it's certainly left out that you have to, like an achieve an objective to win. But in most of them, it's all of the all of the characters have to survive, otherwise yeah. you lose. And like you said, if, if one of you gets caught off and is blue, whilst everybody else is like super high level, red level or whatever, that blue guy is doomed because as soon as the zombies catch up with him, you know, he's toasted. And that'll crash the whole scenario for you. So, so yeah, you really do have to judge out when people can level up. But the game does allow you to sort of plan around that. And that's one of your actions, your number of actions is your resources. And you have to manage those resources to make sure everybody has an even chance of leveling up. Mm. And I think that's quite clever. But as you say, it can lead to sort of crazy situations where yeah. you might have Clom on you know 50 experience and I'm still wandering around with Baldrick on one and I can't get a level up for the life of me so yeah it is it can be swinging it does seem to be an issue that pretty much crops up every game um, what like one character or two will be like behind and I think that's probably why the whole issue of people taking out multiple characters per sitting probably works so well because you're going to have a character that you concentrate on and that you know levels up quite quickly and then your extra character that is basically going to search and pass some weapons almost like a squire really which again thematically might work quite well yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. they have I think learned a lot of lessons since the first zombie side because there was a lot of mechanical issues within the game like for instance the sniper rifle in zombie side if you used it you could still hit your friends with it uh, from a distance which obviously wouldn't make sense actually in... I think that I've, I might be wrong but I'm pretty sure the sniper rifle was like one of the only things that allowed you to shoot into a space with someone. I know you could get a rifle and a scope mm. and put them together and that made a sniper rifle. Um, but but that was one of the only ways that you could do it. If you had a rifle without a scope, you would still just hit people in the, in the place that you were firing at. Yeah, I only played it a couple of times, but it just felt really repetitive. And that's why I prefer Black Plague. It was just thematically for me, it made more sense. Like you said, with the magic and stuff like that like zombies would exist in that sort of universe anyway i think that's why i enjoy it more as well apart from that issue like we said with the leveling up and having to hold back and you know that might cause issues otherwise with your objective but i i prefer i find it's more fun definitely yeah i I really quite like black plague It, it was they put me off zombie side and then I played zombie side and I didn't particularly like it. It was it just felt like I was moving too many models around for too little payoff. I wanted more from a zombie game at that point. I wanted campaign and everything as as usual. Yeah. Um but but then Black Plague, I mean the magic and stuff, you can do more with it and it I like my zombies quite gritty and sort of realistic. Um probably comes from the, the Walking Dead comics, but with with Black Plague, it could be outlandish. It could be like you know out there, and 
you know, you got magic flying around and flaming swords and all this. Whereas in, in Zombicide, the original game, it was submachine guns and they were sort of constrained a little bit and the sort of suspension of disbelief wasn't there, which I know isn't an issue for probably most people, but it is for me and that's what's important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it, I think it's a lot easier to accept the theme when it's fantasy because they've almost got this poetic license to include whatever fun stuff they want to. But when with the original zombie side, when you're trying to make a pass at what is real in there, you know, if there was a zombie apocalypse, they're a lot more limited with even down to physics and things like that, which they're trying to include. It can sap some of the fun and some of the fun mechanics out of the game but it does make it more realistic. So it's almost a trade-off. I think for a lot of people, Zombicide and Black Plague, you're really choosing between which theme you like more than anything. I don't know. I, I, I genuinely think Black Plague is an objectively better game. If they did a space version, would you go for that? <laughs> yeah, totally. Space if it was, If it was a better game, yeah, sure. <laughs> if, if they cleaned up some of the things, because, I mean, it's... I'm not saying Black Plague is a perfect game. It's it's not. It is a mid-level game. The enemy variety isn't particularly good. I mean, it tends to be how many spaces something can move. So, like, the wolves are, like, the the most dangerous things in the game, more than the abominations. That's it. And, and the wolves aren't even in the basic game, no. just to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've got fatties, which are harder to hit. Yeah. Um, regular guys, which just move one space, and... Runners. Abominations. abominations. Oh, oh, yeah, sorry, runners and abominations and necromancers. Mm. So there's, like, five basic types and all the rest of the stuff. The dead eyes, uh, crows, and uh, wolves, and all the different types of abominations and everything are all the expansion content, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, is, it was a good base, but the enemies in Black Plague, the base game, and the enemies in Modern Zombicide, the base game, are the same. Like, there's no difference. As far as I know, there might be like slight statistical changes. Maybe they've learnt something, but it's like fatties take certain weapons that need to do a certain amount of damage. Runners move two spaces. Walkers are just cannon fodder, basically, for XP. And then the abominations are just really slow. I don't think abominations are generally a threat. Yeah, and then the expansion abominations are a ridiculous threat that yeah, will end yeah. your game when they spawn. So what do you think they can do to solve this with the Green Horde thing? Because from looking online, it looks like a lot of people are... Wanting new content and new varieties of enemies, but don't want them to just re-implement different zombie types from modern zombie side, which I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind myself because I've not played the modern zombie side stuff. So as long as it brings new variety of enemy types to me for zombie side Black Plague, I think that's pretty cool. But I can understand how that would frustrate people who have everything zombie side released, and you know if they find the medieval version of toxic zombies or whatever it was mm. introduced in season two or three. Yeah. yeah. For me, I think that would be cool because we get new models and new rules and stuff, but I could see how people would react negatively to them retreading the same ground. I don't want to say they've reached the limits of the system, but it, it's not a particularly in-depth system. And they've kind of, the way that the damage works, it's a flat level of damage. So the weapon does X damage. You need to do X damage to defeat an enemy. So all you're doing, basically, in combat is you're rolling a number of dice that your weapon tells you you're rolling and trying to get the numbers that the weapon tells you that you need. That's the combat system. There's nothing else to it. So the differences between the enemies, it is going to be in the movement. It is going to be in sort of special movement conditions and stuff like that. Like, was it Jackie mentioned climbers? That could be a good thing. They're just going to be like the crows, really, aren't they? Separate traps that you could set up, maybe. Pits full of spikes, whatever. Nice. Yeah, create traps. Exactly, yeah. Just, Just to be able to, like, mark off part of the map for a turn or two, know that you don't have to worry about that for the moment. And then it will eventually fill up with zombies and they're going to come back at you again. But you can regroup and start again, maybe. 
But what if the terrain itself was to change so that the heroes were subject to the traps as well? That would be cool. You could have like a tall grass to hide in, um, you know, and interact with the terrain a little bit more as well. Because at the moment it's literally just a grid, isn't it? And you're cordoned off with the doors and the walls. They, they introduced elevation. So they've got towers in the Wolfsburg expansion, which is a really simple method for shooting over the tops of houses. It's a bit strangely implemented, but I think they could do more with uh, territory. Like maybe you could hide under tables or interact a bit more with the environment rather than just move X number of spaces. I know exactly what you mean. And the direct comparison I can think of, which is going way beyond Zombicide, is what they did with Kingdom Death with the raised elevation there and you had the long grass and you had the terrain that the enemy can interact with so they can destroy the terrain. Yeah. So you, if like long grass was one of them, the enemy gets too close and they can still find you or they can trample the grass down or whatever. Something where it would change it as it goes and you can't just rely on it, but you can also have stuff hiding out in long grass so you turn the tile and yeah. something pops out of it. Something that just mix it up a little bit yeah. without having to change the mechanics. You, you still use the same zombies, it's the same stuff, but... Just yeah. changing how they're they're coming at you, and you don't want to you don't want to overdo it either because it is a, it's a horde game, right? So you, it's yeah. about the horde. It's, I like, it's like World War Z, World War Z, World yeah. War Z. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Z. We're we're English. Yeah, <laughs> <I know. laughs> but it's just like you you want to keep that feel. Yeah. But then when a special zombie shows up, it's like Get switches up the way that you play. Yeah, because because one moment you're fighting off the horde, and then something shows up, and you've got to change those tactics. And I think. I think Zombicide would benefit from something like that. I don't know how they'd do it, uh, you know, approach yeah. that with the system that they've got. They could bring in a whole new hero class, like maybe a class that doesn't use weapons in the traditional sense, but they create traps and distractions, like a tinker or something that they're, you know, they can't carry weapons because they're only small, yeah. like a gnome or something, but they can create a trap here and there and they can hide yeah definitely there seems to be a lot of room for maneuver here for the publishers it's a perfect opportunity for anyone listening if they fancy to post on our facebook group uh, hashtag board chitless if you've got any suggestions of any anything that's really getting on your goat about the game just let us know i really enjoy the game i think the mechanics work very well it keeps the game flowing sometimes you do get left behind quite literally and you know metaphorically with where you are with the level but i think it's easily forgiven, really, for the quality of the gameplay and how quickly it moves along. I would say the the miniatures are excellent quality for um, like the the quantity that you get. The tiles look amazing. I think it's a really good theme, and the mechanics are simplistic enough for you to come back to it quite a few times. There's a lot of scenario variety. There's tons of fan support online as well, and there's tons of support from uh, Cool Mini or not as well with the number of extra scenarios and stuff that they've released. So I think that's really good value for money as well. Well, obviously I like it. I like it a lot more than I like the original zombie side. Yeah, there is, like I said, there is some, not errors, but there's some niggling factors in there, you know, of the game. But I think there's no board game that's completely perfect. There's always going to be something that annoys you about it or you think is wrong. I think it plays really well with the smaller sort of scenarios. I think when it's focused, it works really well, but I think as you add more and more and it becomes more and more work to move the zombies around a huge sprawling map and it starts dragging, that doesn't happen on the smaller maps. And, it, and you, you know, it's really compelling when it's like that. Yeah, and, and the big maps, you can get to the point where you physically can't fit the miniatures on the board and you're just piling them on top of each other in clumps. But Yeah, I think at one point we were just throwing the crows onto <laughs> the board, just like, didn't even stand them up, just like plonking them on. You do need a crow shovel at one point just to get them on quick enough. Yeah. 
I think it does its job perfectly in that mid-range game. It's it's not massively complex. It's not massively in-depth. It's a lot more tactical than strategic. There's no sort of long-term plan. You're always reacting. But I think it does a great job for what it is. Uh, I enjoy it. It's good fun. So the second game that we played this evening was Eldritch Horror. It's a bit of a 1920s vibe. You know, lots of guns and gangsters running around trying to beat monsters. Um, Jackie, could you just tell us a bit more about what this game involves? Yeah, well, Eldritch Horror is a Lovecraftian-themed horror game for one to eight players, and it's designed by Cory Konetska and Nikki Valens, and it's produced by Fantasy Flight. In the game, you pick up a investigator, and you go around the world. The board is the world. And you try and stop the old gods from returning, basically. Or one old god that you have picked. I found this game to feel like it went on for longer than it probably did. It was quite late in the evening before we got started. Um, but it just seems to be, there's a lot of downtime to it. Yeah, everyone has to think ahead and then tell each other what you're going to do. If you don't talk to each other in this game, if you say, right, I'm just going to do this. You're not going to win, basically, if you do it like that. You need to communicate in this game. You, re- you really do. We did manage to, um, by the skin of our teeth, pull in a win, though, for the for the human forces. The uh, Ithaqua awoke and um, got cheesed by a relic that Tristan had. Well, it was your magnifying glass. Oh, we, it was the magnifying glass that won. You looked game. at him the right yes. way and that finished him off. We actually solved all the mysteries that we needed to do. So one of the things that I like about this that distinguishes itself from Arkham Horror is that you have to resolve these mysteries. So in Arkham Horror, you have to close the gates and seal them to win the game. And if you don't, the Ancient wakes up and then you have to fight him in a big showdown, which isn't massively thematic for a Lovecraftian game. There's split opinion about whether or not that's a a, a cool Lovecraftian thing or a very much... It's definitely not. (laughs) Well, you know, the the counter-argument is some guy sailed a ship into Cthulhu's face and beat him, and that's how he wins in, in Call of Cthulhu. But however you look at it, I do like that in Eldritch Horror you're constantly trying to resolve an ongoing mystery and uh, like gather clues to defeat that. And we did all that, and we did what the game told us to do, and uh, we were on, on for a win, and he still woke up. Ithaqua still came rampaging across the world, and then we had to go and fight him with books and fists. Mm. It's, it's, about, it's about board control. It's like many cooperative games. There's lots of ways to lose, and only generally sort of one, one way to win. Um, or a couple of ways to win. But what we didn't do by the end, because we were sort of running around chasing our tails, was close all the gates, and that's what advanced the Doom track, and that's what woke him up anyway. Even though on that last turn, just before he woke up, we'd completed all the mysteries that we had to do, which I agree is a really good system, because it changes your objectives. Like There's going to be the sort of three different objectives throughout the game, whereas in Arkham Horror, the objective's just the same, isn't it? It's just... Close the gates. Shut the gates. Yeah. Shut the bloody gates. I did like as well, we should probably clarify that we have a lot of expansion content shuffled in there, but the decks for the mysteries and the bad guys basically are all themed to the particular ancient one that you're facing. So ours were, because Ithaca was the Wendigo, it was all storms and cold and hypothermia and things like that. So all of the events that we were facing were really thematically tied into the story of that particular elder god which I thought was cool, but I do sense that there were some negative responses to the game. So I'm going to let 
Lecky or Sam take over here and talk a little <laughs> bit about just, the, it the just, time time. It just plodded, really. The game seems to drag its heels at times. You're moving around the map. You're trying to find clues. You're trying to solve mysteries. And you are occasionally, you do get stuck in locations. It's not really the game's fault. It's just the way that the game is. And I think because there's five of us playing it as well, that kind of slowed it down a little a little bit i'd feel so sorry for the person that tries to play an eight player game of this yeah, that's I'd, never gonna yeah. be us you have to bring your 1920s service revolver along to the game with you yeah. <laughs> make sure there's a bullet for everybody really <laughs> but saying that the game itself is a lot of fun to play i really enjoyed the balance between the players everyone seems to have a decent shot at being able to solve tests and then pick up items in order to help them get the buffs that they need in order to prop up some of the weaker stats on there the monsters are awesome like they're proper like lovecraftian quite difficult shows. as well like, it's really compared difficult. to arkham horror where you can pretty much just sort of clean up you can you, you tend in arkham horror you tend to get a combat character don't you who just sort of goes around the streets laying waste and it's very difficult to do that in this because it's hard to get around it takes a long time unless you get certain spells to move from one part of the map to another. Yeah. There's a lot of mechanics in there that help you manage your player's health or help you to avoid certain adverse effects so you can focus or you can just rest and get some of your insanity or some of your health back. And although you're effectively saying, right, I'm going to give up half of my turn to do this, it doesn't really feel like it's a bit like a miss a turn. It's there to kind of help mop up damage, or whatever. It just, it just feels like part of the game, really. It feels like you have taken a bit of a beating, so you've got to recover, really. On the subject of taking a beating, I'd like to point out, I think a lot of us did okay and accumulated quite a lot of items and buffs and stuff. But I know, Sam, you struggled. And instead of items and spells and things, you accumulated a, a series of negative conditions that were, were tanking you. So what was your experience? I managed to collect five different conditions. Five. Yeah, it won. Uh, it won. Which was more than any items collectively by anyone else, I think, pretty much. I had no, no boons. It was all negatives. What was the experience of playing that then? I enjoyed it. <laughs> like, I said that earlier that I feel like it did drag out a bit, but I did enjoy the game. It just felt a little bit long. I was going for the missions whilst it felt a bit like everyone else was tooling up for the long haul. I was just going in straight at the deep end with Sister Mary. <laughs> and I was... <laughs> what? <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> It was the name of his character. It's not like he had anything illicit in his back pocket in a plastic bag. A little from column A, a little from column B there. You weren't collecting clues though earlier. Yeah, on I, were... I was I was focusing on the mission. As a result of that, I was collecting these conditions. They were just scuppering me time and time again. And it sort of reached the point where I thought, well, this character's never going to survive anyway. So when a dark pact came up, I thought, in for a penny, in for a pound. I'll take this as well. Managed to survive with all of that. Then I think I came to, I can't remember what it was now. There was some final thing that just like, did one point of damage and finished me off. So yeah, I even survived all of those conditions. Oh, you were ambushed by a Wendigo. <laughs> oh yeah, that was <laughs> it. You were ambushed by a Wendigo and it clawed your face off. And then we, we found you later. Or I think your new character found. Yeah, my new Joe Diamond. <laughs> yeah, with half a face, horribly disfigured. She, she survived though. Yeah. Just in hospital. That's a quite a nice little touch, actually. When you do lose a character, they're still thematically tied into the game, so you get to go and interact with them. The last time I played it, I remember going and basically ransacking the corpse of the dead guy. But in, in your particular case, your, uh, your nun, yeah, she was wounded and in hospital, and you got to go and sort of chat to her, which is quite a nice little sort of way. A lot of Lovecraft stories have the uh, protagonist either pass away or pass on his quest to the next person who comes in and 
and picks it up. And so that's implemented really nicely in the way that you're not out of the game. You get to come back in, but you also get a little tie-in and a chance or opportunity to pick up all of the cool bits and pieces that your previous character acquired. I thought that was a, yeah. th- that is a cool touch in this game, I think. I thought it was very good as well. Just thematically, it was just like she'd gone through hell and come back and just thought, I can't do it anymore. She'd gone to a hospital and she just decided to stay there looking after people because she just couldn't go back out and face it all again, yeah. which thematically was quite clever. Yeah. What do we think about the theme, the implementation of the mechanics? I was a big fan of Arkham Horror. I think it was like the second game we ever got. Yeah, the first one was Lord yeah. of the Rings, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, it was Arkham Horror. And it was obviously quite a beast. It's it's massive and the components, you have so many. And then we got all the expansions and that just kept adding and adding. But my favourite part of it really is with the Lovecraft stuff inside, it, it tells a story. Each game you have is a different story with the different people you have in it. Same with Arkham Horror. And my character was uh, Diane, I think her name was, or Diana. Diane's the Diane, cultist. Yeah. Yeah. The ex-cultist. And ex-cultist, my- we will clarify. <laughs> for my, my skill was that I could go to areas that had cultists and monsters in them. Obviously, they're summoning monsters in areas. And I could go and convince them as a like a, a sort of a spy almost, like a, a plant to say, oh no, we don't need this, you know, like just just let them go, stop this summoning. And then the, everything would disappear from that area. I think there was times when I was getting rid of piles. The of net monsters. effect was that you were nuking like, yes. monsters left, right yeah. and centre. Stacks yeah. of five monsters would just disappear. I'd just go into the area and they would just disappear and then I'd go into the portal and then I'd do what I needed to do there. And that's basically what I was doing the whole game. You close more gates than any other character, right? Yeah, yeah. I, even though I don't think I had good stats yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think it was one. I think it was two with a with a, uh, a card, but I still managed it. And I think that was what I was doing the whole time. So basically, my story. This I like to see the characters have their own little stories in this scenario, that she was going around convincing the cultists to leave alone. And then closing gates while her friends were going off and fighting and, and things like that. Because I did try a bit of fighting, but just it wasn't really working out for me. So I I switched up tack and I started looking at my what my skill was. And I think that's what you should do. You should look at your skill and use that to your advantage. Because that's the most powerful part yeah. of your character, I think. Yeah, my character spent the first half of the game within the Amazon jungle. Just, you know, completing mysteries and looking for clues because he just kept getting extra dice rolls. Yeah, you were good at wilderness. Expedition leader, he was, yeah, yeah. He was, he, was, he was pretty wicked. And once you brought him into the city, he slowed down and became, you know, his almost knees, useless. His knees started giving away because <laughs> he's quite yeah. an old... Oh, he's, yeah, he's very, he doesn't look like he enjoys being anywhere, really. He wants to get his pipe up, but, you know, he's just getting involved, really. What I do like is that each character, even with the flaws, feels like they are actually a unique hero and you can get behind them. And what I really enjoy about what Fantasy Flight games have done with the Lovecraftian sort of mythos is they've really owned it. And you do feel like when you're playing Eldritch Horror, you're playing Arkham, when you play Mansions of Madness, you feel like you're part of the story and like, yes, this is what happened and we're going to do good. It's amazing. You, you know the characters. Like yeah. and I know I know the characters I know the old gods more from the Fantasy Flight games than than in, in the books themselves, because they weren't a massive and they were never in the books. You never really there was a couple of instances like Cthulhu, but they were never explicit. It was always the mystery of it. And uh, it was fantasy always implied, wasn't it? Yeah, and and fantasy flight have brought them to the forefront, which does sort of diminish that mystery aspect of it. But I do feel like I sort of know them, and and you know, it's like Diane Stanley in this game. You know who she is, not 
particularly from this game because we haven't played it an awful lot, but from previous games, they've sort mm. of they've developed a life of their own. These characters, these fantasy flight creations. In the previous games of Elder Torah that I've played, it's one of the few games where I remember certain things that have happened in past games, and you know, I tell other people about what happened. Like when I played uh, the counselor one time and he just stayed in Tokyo the whole time because you could find monsters in Tokyo and I was sending people gear and, and, and items because that's what he could do. He had the money to do that. And then I took a dark pact and that dark pact ended up coming to conclusion and it turned out I was actually working for the old god. So it, I, it made it seem like he was doing this to to benefit himself in the old god but you know he, he didn't know that until the end and i actually ended the game yeah you because won, you of won it. the game and everybody else lost yeah and it's <laughs> it's things like that teamwork <laughs> it's things like that that's you remember and it, there's not many games that i know of that have stuck in my mind like that with the stories then that have done with these ones it's almost a bit like tales of the arabian nights that kind of storytelling type game but the storytelling elements are condensed right down to just a few sentences here and there we joked quite a lot throughout this about miss a turn i'm going to miss a turn to heal a bit of sanity and health or i'm going to miss a turn to focus there is a sense of that actually gameplay mechanics you only get to do two things every round and it can feel quite limiting because you might move one space and you've got to get like five spaces to get to where you need to go but what i love about it is that you never get stranded out so even if you are missing a turn or you're just resting or whatever you're always going to get an encounter in the encounter phase so you're always going to have an involved turn even if it's a minor thing it might be a minor boost or a minor bane or it might be a big fight or it might be a cool thing like you, sh- you close a gate or you know you kick some serious ass but you do all your actions as, as a team you do your moving and resting and shopping and all all that kind of stuff but then you all get to have like a cool story event as well so I do think with five players the downtime was quite pronounced and our group is quite a chatty lot so if we don't stay focused you know, people can start drifting away from what's happening in the game. But I personally find it quite enjoyable listening to what's happening to other people and, and staying engaged with what's happening with their characters because um, you are working together towards the same objective. Um, leaning a little bit more towards... <gasps> Tristan! Yeah, no, I, I always argued with Dave that um, Arkham Horror is the better game, but I'm, I'm coming round to Eldritch Horror, like, standing up on its own. I think Arkham Horror can serve you a turn where you do nothing. And I don't think Eldritch Horror does that. I think the not being able to repeat actions goes a long way towards that. Because, yeah, you rest, but, I mean, what else were you going to do? There's the focus action. Um, but if you've already moved, you're not moving again. You can get, like, tickets or whatever. Tickets it, to travel, right? Move you yeah, further. Yeah. yeah, you can get tickets to sort of do a double move. But it's a resource management game. So if you're not resting, you're not going to win. You're going to be dead. Because the damage just stacks up and stacks up. I still think it, it feels a lot longer than it probably does play and it does suffer from lag but it i really enjoyed it still uh, it's an interesting game i'd play it again yeah i think the more players you get with elder torah the like you said the more it drags the more problems you run into and the slower it gets but if there's just two of you like for a couple you know it's a great game it's a great storyteller and it captures lovecraft just how he, how he'd want it i think i'd say after literally over 100 games of arkham horror I want to explore this more. That's maybe my third or fourth game of Eldritch Horror. I had a bit of a beef with the idea of the big globe-trotting adventure thing, which isn't really... I didn't find it as thematically tied into Lovecraftian things. It felt more like sort of Indiana Jones, almost like Fortune and Glory style um, 
adventure game. But no, I really enjoyed tonight's session and I'd love to see it get more table time and maybe even break out those Antarctic and Sands map. Dreamlands as well. Dreamland, Dreamlands, okay. Yeah, I'd love to love to see some Randolph Carter type action in there. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Just whilst you mentioned Fortune and Glory then, there was one thing that I did notice throughout this and one of the grabs that me and Lecky brought up last time we were talking about Fortune and Glory was when your characters were tailored to one specific role. In this, that seems to be neutered a lot more. It seems to be a lot more finessed, whereas you might not be geared towards it. You might have a lower willpower, but you always get at least one dice. You might not be able to beat it. The odds might be massively stacked against you, but at least you feel like you can still do something in these these sort of encounters and things like that. That's exactly the same as Fortune and Glory, though. Well, no, what we were saying with Fortune yeah. and Glory was, remember, I had 16 dice for my attack. And all I got was nothing that involved attack dice. But yeah, that's that that was just a quick side. But I uh, I really enjoyed Eldritch Horror. As I say, it did feel like it dragged a bit. There was a bit bit of downtime or a bit too much downtime and losing a character probably didn't help for the situation. I think once we realised it was one o'clock and um needed to get the game over with we we started focusing more it went along at quite a good clip i think i prefer it to arkham horror i still i still enjoy arkham horror they both drag because essentially what they both are is you move to a space turn over a card you do what the card says and that's sort of the game if you're doing that for three four hours it's going to get a little bit old i do think that the steps that they've taken in eldritch horror with the finite mythos deck it's only going to be like 16 turns max um, that you're going to be taking, and often a lot less, as we, as we sort of found out. I think that those missions as well, the essential part of the game, as opposed to just being a distraction like they are in a lot of games, that you need to complete them. Mm. Because when the Great Old One woke up in this game, we couldn't hurt it if we hadn't completed those missions. You could do Beat that a game. lot in Arkham Horror, couldn't you? You, yeah. could just, you, you just could just try and, tr- you know, away from, from the other as, one. Was it Azathoth? Yeah, you just it's ended like, it. If he wakes up, the game's over. So I think it's the same in this, actually. I think if he wakes up in Eldritch Horror, I think it's end of game but it's an easier you have an easier time with the doom track because of that but yeah what but it it was good that you couldn't just ignore those you couldn't just go all right well just try and beat the game because if it gets to that end point and he wakes up and you've not done any of the missions you've got no chance the rumors in uh, in eldritch horror are lethal like we had quite an easy time with them tonight because with ithakworth there's two they both come out early so you have plenty of time to deal with them and now you use my dark pack to clear one yeah <laughs> we cleared one like automatically and the other one we just sort of i was able to deal with because i had the right stuff at the right time but usually they are like they are pressing matters they're usually game enders and you have to deal with them i'm dealing with them stops you from closing gates stops you from pursuing the mysteries and you, you know you, you're trying to manage all these things and it's just oh, it's really good isn't it <laughs> it is it is and then um, i think that we Kind of like, we do need to thank Nick Hughes, who's one of the chitheads that's been posting to the Facebook page, just for putting a couple of photos of his solo adventures on there and inspiring his, his us. His A to, to Z. Yeah, his A to Z game, and just inspiring us to get the game back out and have another crack at it, really. Yeah, thank you, Nick. <laughs> Cheers. So yeah, so we had a, um, a great time playing Eldritch Horror this evening, and I'm sure it'll come back to the table at some point soon. Thanks very much for joining us this week, and we'll be back next week with a, another guest appearance and plenty more games to talk about. And we'll see you then. Goodbye.